This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September the 6th, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. on the show today, Megan Gilmore discusses the issues behind a changing Ontario law that affects patients in long-term care homes. Mark Aflalo will share Lenovo's new tech announcements made at this year's IFA showcase in Berlin. And we have a special edition of the News Quiz. The game of musical chairs never stops on Now with Dave Brown. So now I am the quiz master, putting Andy Frank, Ryan Delahanty, and Alex Smythe to the test. But let's begin the store, our show with the top story of the day beginning in the prairies. One of two brothers sought after in a stabbing rampage in Saskatchewan was found dead yesterday. Bill Graveland has the latest. Saskatchewan RCMP Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore says Damien Sanderson is dead, but his brother Miles, who has a violent criminal record and is considered dangerous, remains on the loose but may be injured. We do want the public to know this because there is a possibility he may seek medical attention. A parole board of Canada decision earlier this year details Miles Sanderson's long criminal record, which includes 59 offenses that include several violent crimes. Bill Graveland, the Canadian Press, Regina. And we'll share a little more reaction to that story in the regional news update in about an hour's time. But let's move on to energy and climate, beginning with OPEC and allied oil-producing countries cutting supply by 100,000 barrels per day. Charles de Ledesma has the story. The decision by energy ministers means that the cut for October rolls back the mostly symbolic increase of the same amount in September and underlines their unhappiness with crude prices that have sagged because of recession fears. The move follows a statement from Saudi Arabia's energy minister last month that the group could reduce output at any time. Oil producers such as Saudi have resisted calls from President Joe Biden to pump more oil to lower gasoline prices and the burden on consumers. I'm Charles Duladesma. In a related story, France's president is urging a reduction in energy consumption. Ines de la Coutura has more. French President Emmanuel Macron saying, quote, if we collectively know how to behave more soberly and know how to save energy everywhere, then there will be no rationing and there will be no power cuts, end quote. Macron is hoping France will reduce its energy consumption by about 10 percent. This comes after Russia said it was indefinitely suspending all gas flows to the EU via the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline, claiming Western sanctions have interfered with necessary repairs. In ABC News, Paris. And coming back to North America, the heat wave in California is putting strain on the state's energy infrastructure. Lisa Dwyer explains. Authorities say California will face its highest chance of blackouts this week. A brutal heat wave continues to blanket the state with triple-digit heat. As people crank up their air conditioners, the state is forecasting record levels of energy use that could hit record demand today. Officials have issued an urgent plea for conservation. The National Weather Service is predicting highs between 100 and 115 degrees inland. 
That's making it tougher on firefighters who are battling 14 fires around the state plus dozens of smaller ones. In Southern California, two people were killed and one injured by the Fairview Fire, which burned 2,000 acres Monday. I'm Lisa Dwyer. And one more story going back abroad. The humanitarian chief of the United Nations is expressing concern about the possibility of a famine in Somalia. Martin Griffiths says there are indicators famine will occur later this year in the East African country. I've been shocked to my core these past few days by the level of pain and suffering we see so many Somalis enduring. Famine is at the door. And today we are receiving a final warning. At least one million people in Somalia have been displaced by the worst drought in decades. Let's get to our daily polls. At AMI-audio is where you find us on Twitter. Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. Oh, boom. There you go. Natural instinct. I broke the branding again. Where's our, where's our jar of me uh, having to put, put, a, put a dose in for charity every time I mess up the branding here on our new change with no longer being on AMI-audio. So the new address on Twitter where you find us is at Accessible Media, at Accessible Media on Twitter with Accessible Media Inc. being where you find us on Facebook. Uh, did we ever settle on, on what my amount was per fine, per messing up in the branding? Let, 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 let's say $2, and, and I currently don't have any, any small bills on me. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, but, but someone keep a tab of this. Someone, someone get out the abacus and keep track of this. $2 into the uh, branding jar for me to start the week. Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Twitter. On Friday, we asked you, have you been waiting for an Omicron-specific vaccine before taking a second COVID-19 booster? 24% of you said yes, 41% of you said no, and 35% of you said I'm not getting boosted. So that basically tracks with national numbers. Our sample size might not be official, but that's, uh, that's about right. We had some responses here on Twitter. Terry already writes in, no, already did it two months ago. And Studio Brock writes in, I've already gotten both my boosters. I also got my flu shot yearly. Being sick sucks. Today's Daily Poll, coming to you from the world of financial news, Equifax Canada out with a report that Canadian consumer spending and consumer debt has gone up by 8% year over year. So about tracking with inflation, give or take. But it got me thinking. At Accessible Media on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. How often do you use a credit card for daily expenses and bills? Always, most of the time, some of the time, or not at all? Let's officially, officially, officially welcome in Alex Smythe, who will be a daily fixture on Now with Dave Brown. We'll be phasing him in all over the show, including the news quiz a little bit later. But Alex will be popping by throughout the show to check in with us. Alex, first and foremost, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the show officially. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess this is the unofficial start of uh, fall. You know, Labor Day's over. It's uh, back, to, back to the grind in September, right? So yeah. What better way to start than uh, joining now with Dave Brown? Officially, officially. Yeah, rise and grind and officially, officially getting started in September. So, Alex, what do you make of this daily poll question? How often do you find yourself using your credit card for daily expenses and bills? Yeah, you know, I am kind of odd when it comes to the credit card. Like, I will use it just interchangeably with my debit card. I, I've always had a very strict, like, kind of um, a fiscal uh, plan in terms of, okay, I'm never going to rack up a credit card needlessly. I'm always going to pay it off every single month. I, I always kind of 
uh, was had that drilled into me uh, from a young age of having that financial discipline. But uh, I know plenty of people they will they will blindly and 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 carelessly just uh, spend 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 rack up the uh, the the credit and and then worry with the consequences down the road. Yeah, there have definitely been times in my life where uh, income has been lower than expenses, and I've definitely carried a balance month to month. That is thankfully uh, not the case for me in my current economic situation, but that's the way you have to responsibly treat the credit card is to say, hey, I'm going to make sure I pay this off every month. There's some folks who would just go in there every day and just pay off their preauthorized expenses or expenses as they come up to keep the balance perpetually at zero. Uh, there, There is some merit, though, if you can responsibly do it in terms of collecting points, using the credit card for everything, for your your telco bill, your hydro bill, and your day-to-day expenses, because if you can get some points or cash back, there is something to be said, providing you can handle the plastic responsibly. Let's bring in Eliza Rocco on this one. Eliza, I know we're going to hear a little bit less from you, unfortunately, over the course of the next couple of weeks, but I can still drag you in for the daily polls. What do you make of the daily poll question? Well, I use my credit card more for big purchases, big expenses. So for this, I would probably be on the some of the time not at all range. Like I'm not going to say not at all ever because I I mean I've definitely paid for some cat food using my <laughs> credit card when I don't want to pay $70 for my cat's really expensive food. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh the that's a story, Dave. Cats eating good. Okay, we'll get, oh, to, yeah. we'll get to that later oh, in the yeah. week. But, uh, yeah, mostly big expenses. So I don't really use it on a day-to-day basis because, like Alex, I know quite a few people who just rack rack their bill up, and uh, I am terrified of doing that. So I just tried not to use my credit card very much at all. Yep, that's also definitely a good way to do it, to stay out of that kind of trouble. Thank you, Eliza. We Thank appreciate you. it. In the meantime, I want you to chime in on this daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You can also send us emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or give us phone calls, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Let's go back to Alex Smythe. Alex has the National Weather Update. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, it's cloudy with a 60% chance of showers and a high of 17. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's cloudy with a 60% chance of showers this morning, which will clear up in the afternoon and a high of 21. In Montreal, Quebec, it's cloudy, which will turn to a mix of sun and clouds later and a high of 24. In Ottawa, Ontario, it's sunny and a high of 24. In Toronto, Ontario, it's sunny with a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 24. In Thunder Bay, Ontario, it's also sunny with a high of 22. Now in Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's hazy and sunny with a high of 26. In Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, it's sunshine with a high of 24. Calgary, Alberta, it's hazy and sunny with a high of 24. In Edmonton, Alberta, it's sunny, which will turn to a mix of sun and clouds later and a high of 20. In in Yellowknife Northwest Territories, there's intermittent showers this morning, but that will turn to clouds this afternoon with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers an hour and a high of nine. In Vancouver, BC, it's sunny, turning hazy this afternoon and a high of 21. And finally, in Victoria, B.C., it's sunny with a high of 23. 
That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the show. But coming up next, Marco Flalo will share some of Lenovo's new tech announcements that they made at this year's IFA Showcase in Berlin. We're bringing down the wall with Marco Flalo on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's turn our attention to the world of technology where Lenovo made some announcements at the IFA Tech Showcase in Berlin last week. Mark Flalo of Double Tap TV has some of the details. Of course, you can find Double Tap TV Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. And you can find Mark Flalo in Montreal. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Always nice catching up with you. So, Mark, what do we have going on here? What were some of the Lenovo products that were announced? Well, one of the biggest announcements was a new version of their ThinkPad X1 Fold. Now, you know, off the off off the air before we came into the break, I heard mummering saying, wait, wait a second, don't all laptops technically fold? Yes, laptops technically fold. You've got the keyboard in the bottom and the screen in the top. But what Lenovo's done is they've launched what looks like a 16-inch gigantic tablet that has a folding mechanism in the middle where the screen actually folds in on itself, much like the Samsung Galaxy Fold you know, clamshell devices. The cool thing about this is an accessory keyboard can then clip on the bottom portion of this actual device. And if you want, you'll have that Lenovo classic IBM ThinkPad style keyboard that has that little nub in the middle that helps you navigate. So it's a new take on a folding device, but giving the full power and, and full feature set, including graphics and memory and storage of a full-fledged laptop. So they're taking Fold to a kind of a new definition, if I, if I might say so. Mark, let me understand this, though. Yes. If we're not going to fold it over and use the bottom keyboard and attach a hybrid keyboard, then why wouldn't we just hook our laptop up? Why wouldn't we just hook a, a keyboard up to a traditional tablet? Well, what's, what's the merit of this folding other than to show off the fact, oh, yeah, this can fold. Like, who is this meant for? It's meant for the, the, the extremely mobile business users, people who are always on the go, who want the full power and the rugged and the mobility of a ThinkPad, but don't necessarily always want the full function of a keyboard present. So it's kind of like Apple saying, okay, here's a giant version of our iPad. We're going to give you a keyboard accessory. That's great, but it's still something else you need to carry and kind of clunk on board. This one just kind of folds behind the actual tablet. And when you want it, you put it in that traditional kind of clamshell mode and you've got that full keyboard and you still got a really large, almost 13-inch diagonal screen. So it's someone who really wants the power of the laptop, but the convenience of a tablet all, all in one in this kind of device. It, this is where, you know, I agree with a lot of the speculation out there going, okay, this looks cool. I love the proof of concept here where it actually the screen itself is folding, so it's one continuous display if you want it. But, you know, the, the real-world use case where I understand where they're aiming for, but to see it in action – is what I really want to see. I want to get my hands on this one because yeah. I gotta, I gotta kind of like. Here's the Gary. Okay, give me the proof, but I need to, I need to see the pudding. Yeah, I think in general, right? There's some excitement around the foldable devices generally. I know that the uh, the Samsung foldable phones. There was a huge advertising blast over the weekend while I was watching TV. They're they're yeah. really pushing these things, and I will oh, yeah. say, even though I was a little leery of them, I started watching this on the weekend, and I was like, that does look kind of cool. 
Yeah, it is. You know, it 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 pulls on our heartstrings from yesteryear, especially <laughs> the generation that had the Motorola Flips and all those devices. But they're really going after Apple. I mean, they have some ad campaigns. I don't know which one you saw that literally talks about you know the iPhones around the corner, the new iPhones around the corner, but it doesn't do this, and they list off all these features, yeah. which is fun, kind of funny because they tend to do that and they tend to poke fun at certain features that Apple hasn't done yet or things like removing the <laughs> headphone jack and then moments later they end up doing it themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is why this is why this year they launched those devices really close to the Apple fall event they knew yeah. You know, it's predictable. Apple, you know, Apple's going to be launching new devices tomorrow. They're going to be announcing them. They knew it. They knew coming out two weeks before gives them the opportunity to really target those users. And they're doing it really, really aggressively and doing it hard. Uh, really dumb question here, Mark. I know. No question. That's question, what you Dave, tell me every on. time I'm about to ask you a dumb question. I, I, this, this Lenovo folding uh, machine, tablet, laptop, whatever you want to call it. What software is it going to run? Is it going to run a Windows, Windows. software? Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's Windows a, 11. Okay, so. All right. I guess I guess this speaks to the way in which Windows 11 is manifesting now, which is more app oriented, which means that it could lend itself to a touchscreen experience versus using a mouse. Right. You know, Windows 11 has done um, made incredible strides, making itself both touch friendly and just work. You know, basically, you, you can open the computer. You can use a touchscreen if you want to. You don't have to. A lot of these two in one devices allow you to kind of fold the keyboard behind it and use it in what they call tablet mode, which does, you know, very, a very app centric kind of interface. But they work side by side. They work in conjunction. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require a whole separate version of the operating system. It really is made to just, okay, let's skin things a bit differently for you. Mark, let's move over to uh, Chromebooks because that's, of course, another element of Lenovo's business. They've got a new one to uh, lay out. So what, are, what, they do they do. Have, what do they have on offer? The new IdeaPad 5i is a new Chromebook that they're, they're saying is going to be um, extremely low cost. So we're talking about, you know, $499 price point. But because of the cloud nature of Chromebooks, you know, they're not meant to have a lot of stuff on board. They're not meant to store stuff there. They're saying this is going to be an incredible gaming machine. And the reason is because it's got incredible graphics and they're not skimping on it. So all those cloud gaming platforms, the GeForce Now, the, the Xbox streaming, which are really coming into their own, are going to be super friendly and super playable on this Chromebook, which is something that gaming and Chromebook – you don't normally put no, those two together. No. Put, Our minds I, still I put, think I, Chromebook cheap, right? Yeah, I put I put email and streaming in the Chromebook. Yeah, the Chromebook and, bucket. and streaming is even, by the way, in some cases, an old Chromebook's not even a, a feat that you want to do. But Chromebooks are really coming into their own. You know, we talk about Lenovo, but Acer announced some new Chromebooks a couple of weeks ago. Again, really aggressive price points, really repairable. They're really targeting the entertainment and the kind of the school and the small business aspect of these because everybody's in the cloud, right? All your documents are there, all your emails there, all your streaming is there, everything you need is there. So do you really need that power, more powerful of a computer? That being said, the strides that are being made on the Chromebook technology and the cost of the parts are making it so much more affordable that you can still have a five, $600 machine that you call a Chromebook that really is almost as powerful as some of the laptops and desktops we saw three years ago. Mark, I don't mean to bicker. Maybe inflation is coming for us all, but I would have <laughs> thought that $500 for a Chromebook is actually on the higher end of a price point. You know what? It probably is, but if you look at the trends in Chromebooks these days, that seems to be the price point where they're falling. The lowest end now is about three fifty to four hundred, and you can go high end almost to nine hundred ninety nine dollars, oh depending my, on how you want to configure oh it. My yeah. Gosh. But they're really, you know, they're aiming at people who are going to buy in bulk, schools that are going to buy for entire boards or entire classes. They want to get, you know, take over that iPad share. In the U.S., it's iPad everywhere. Yeah. You know, in Canada, we're very heavy on Chromebooks. On, in in the actual education sector, so they're trying to you know really make, you know kick 
kickstart that that entry-level kind of price point and get people to say, hey, come buy 100 of these, buy 1,000 of these, yeah. and equip every student with them. And I think you used another expression as well, which was the graphics processing, which typically yeah. that's one of the things that's going to take a, a, a laptop or another com- computational device and say, this is going to be more expensive because it's the graphic cards oftentimes where like the meat is made. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the graphics really is what it's number one is the interface. It's the way you see it. And the second you see really slow scrolling and stuff like that, that's what hinders your, your user experience. So if they can enhance the user experience and make you think that it's a nice, fast, speedy machine, even though it may not be, then they're, they're already winning. Mark, there are many changes afoot around the AMI family, but something that is not changing is the Double Tap TV is back for another season. I believe the new season gets going tonight so what's coming up on no, the show next week next week next, on september well, how 13th come you, how I'm, come you guys get a seven day reprieve on a new on a new uh, fiscal year you gotta stretch you gotta put your arms back and you know, we did town halls we gotta recover no we, we're we're <laughs> we're hot and heavy into production of season five of double tap tv uh, and we're actually gonna be kicking it off with a really cool uh viewing party next thursday uh, next thursday next tuesday at 8 p.m eastern so um head on over to double tap on air dot com or ami.ca slash double tap and you'll be able to find links to our YouTube channel. We're going to actually be watching the show with you guys at home uh, with a live chat element of it. And then once the show is done, we're going to go on live for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, nice. talk about the show and interact with the audience and actually answer some questions because we've been getting a lot of feedback. A lot of people are tuning into our YouTube channel, which just launched and has a lot of our older shows on it. So we're, we're adding a new show every day as we count down to uh, season five, really exciting season coming up. Yeah. You guys are grinding away double tap TV and the double tap daily going on with us, Steven and Sean, no short just stuff to do around the uh, Double Tap family. Hey, no Mark, one's called in sick yet, Dave, so we're good. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> give it time. It's been six days. Uh, Mark, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. That's Mark Flalo. He's the co-host of Double Tap TV. You can find Double Tap TV Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv with the new season beginning next Tuesday. I still don't get why they get a reprieve on their new fiscal. And we were speedballed into me messing up branding and already being a couple dollars in the hole for our charity jar. Coming up next, Megan Gilmore will discuss Ontario's new long-term care law that was passed last week. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Lori Paris with your Morning Business Minute. Canada's main stock index reopens today on a high note after being closed for the long weekend. The S&P TSX Composite Index ended last week up 128 points to 19,270. Markets stateside were also closed for the Labor Day weekend. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average sank 337 points Friday to 31,318. The S&P 500 index dropped 42 points to 3,924, while the Nasdaq Composite was off 154 points at 11,630. Asian stock markets are mostly up after China promised to speed up policy changes to boost anemic economic growth. Japan's Nikkei inched up 6 points to close at 27,626. South Korea's Kospi added 6 points to 2,410. The Shanghai Composite Index gained 43 points to 3,243. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 76.25 cents U.S., virtually unchanged from Friday's close of 76.21 cents U.S. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Lori Paris.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. As we shared a few times in the news last week, the Ontario government has passed changes to long-term care policy and hospital policy last week. Accessibility reporter Megan Gilmore is here to break down a few of the concerns raised by these changes. Hey, good morning, Megan. How are you? I'm well. So, Megan, we did share this news story last week, but let's start with a baseline here. What are some of these changes that were passed in Ontario? So on August 31st, the Ontario government passed Bill 7, uh, which is its short title is the More Beds, Better Care Act, which amends last year's law fixing Long-Term Care Act. So those titles give you a bit of an idea of what the government says the goal of these changes are, which is to... um, provide better care for individuals by allowing them more beds, essentially, in the hospital. So the stated goal of the act is to free up hospital beds by moving patients who are classified as alternative level of care or ALC patients out of the hospital and into long-term care homes. And ALC patients, uh, just as a reminder, are those who are still in the hospital, but they don't need the level of care that is provided at a hospital. So in some ways they've been medically discharged, but they're still actually at a hospital. And what the change does is it allows placement coordinators to authorize that an ALC patient be moved from the hospital to a long-term care home without the patient's consent or without the consent of their substitute decision maker. Uh, The placement coordinator will decide where patients will go. The patient has no say on that. So let's say, for example, uh, you're a senior, you're in a hospital, you're an ALC patient, and you already have a list of these are the top five long-term care homes I'd like to go to. That doesn't matter. Like, you'll just be sent wherever the placement coordinator determines is where they will send you. So the concern on that one is clear in terms of a lack of consent and a lack of freedom of choice in terms of your in terms of your dwelling and medical care. What are some of the other broad concerns at play here? So um, as part of that lack of concern, uh, sorry, lack of consent, there's also this sense of patronizing uh, towards seniors, towards people with disabilities that, you know, uh, the hospital staff or these specific people at the hospital should be able to tell them where to go. Um, Some of the concerns around where people will move to is, first of all, they need to be moved to a long-term care facility that has beds available for them. So a long-term care facility that isn't already full. That raises questions about why specific facilities are not at capacity. So are people potentially going to be moved to facilities that have had a lengthy list of problems or infractions? And the reason why there's beds there is because nobody actually wants to be there for health and safety reasons. Is this going to impact where people go? There's also questions about how people's linguistic, cultural, or religious needs will be uh, met. Uh, There's been concerns about a francophone care if, if uh, francophones will be moved to an area where they can't receive uh, care in in their official language, um, concerns about, let's say you live in northern Ontario, will you be moved to southern Ontario? What about indigenous communities uh, who don't have as much long-term care? Uh, that sort of thing. And then just um, some logistical notes, there's no expiry date. So Right now, the way the law reads is this is the way it could be from henceforth until forevermore. So uh, is there going to be a change? Uh, That sort of thing. And there are some um, 
there are some uh, details that will still be left to the regulations and people don't know actually what, what it will look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Megan, let's apply a disability lens to this. I imagine some of the right. concerns we're going to have may be a familiar refrain, but how could this impact yeah. people with disabilities? So um, s- studies have shown that ALC patients are often individuals with developmental disabilities. Um, so there, we've spoken on this uh, show before about the um, alarming number of young adults with disabilities who live in long-term care and are there um, inappropriately. There's a concern that this will increase that. That really, um, I'm speaking to Hannah Lee, who's a staff lawyer with ARCH, a disability law in, in Toronto, and she mentioned how this is just a further example of institutionalization. That uh, for a group of the, a group of people who've fought hard and long to be moved out of institutions, this law, this change to the law, is a move back into institutionalization. Uh, then we talked about some of the the concerns uh, before about consent and about where people will be placed. There's also concerns that this. Uh, change doesn't address um, the reasons why some people are ALC patients. Mm. So there's some individuals who are classified as ALC in the hospital who aren't looking for a long-term care placement. They're looking for community care, looking for home care supports. So this this doesn't do that. So uh, some advocates would say the answer to the problem that has caused these changes in the law would be find home care, find uh, change home care processes so that seniors and families with dementia can use them, uh, advocate for caregivers to get um, financial compensation. And this legislation only looks at hospital beds, long-term care placements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's one of these moments where we say the system of long-term care and hospitals and healthcare in general need to be fixed. This doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a structural fix. This seems like a Band-Aid. And for the, right. sake, of, for the sake of using a cliche, it almost sounds like you're moving Deck, ter- deck chairs around the Titanic. You're not building capacity. You're just shifting capacity around and at, at, at the expense of potentially patients. And as you point out, there's no timeline on this, right? This is, no. this is a structural change in the way that they're operating, but without due to, due to a crisis, but there's no actual solution to the crisis. And even understanding that the crisis is a difficult one to solve, this one doesn't necessarily seem like something that's actually going to address the core issues at play. Megan, let's take mm-hmm. your accessibility reporter hat off for a second. Let's make you a okay. political correspondent. <laughs> are there any concerns about the way this bill was passed? Well, Dave, there are many. So um, the bill was introduced on Thursday, August 18th. It was passed on Wednesday, August 31st. All opposition MPs voted against this uh, but that's that's two weeks, okay? And besides the speed of that, there this bill was not sent to committee. There was no public consultation. So I've spoken to some advocates, for example, uh, seniors for Social Advocacy Ontario and other groups who wrote the premier with their concerns, um, gave their suggestions, asked to be consulted, nothing, no consultation with First Nations communities, especially those in North, Northern Ontario who face a much different um, different amount of resources in terms of healthcare. So yeah, no committees, no public consultation. And then there's this another fact of this, this happened in August. 
So most people aren't paying attention to provincial politics in the dying weeks of summer vacation. <laughs> Megan, I'll interrupt. Yeah, Megan, I'll just, interrupt you. Most people are not yeah. paying attention to provincial politics. Period. The election turnout numbers are evidence of that. That's true. That's true. you can go onto the podcast archives and listen to um, a recent news panel where that was discussed. Last Friday's news panel, but the general lack of enthusiasm around around provincial elections. But Megan, I do I do agree with you that that certainly as something is rapidly changing in August, sort of months after an election, with lack of yeah. consultation, it's almost as if this could have become an issue on the election trail. Right. But but a party that won a stunning majority just didn't lay out any policy on the campaign trail. It's- Right, which is a question a lot of people are asking. Like, this came as a total surprise. And for an issue that is so important right now in Ontario and across this country, like, the the Ford government passed a law last year called the Fixing Long-Term Care Act. So they've given this... um, image that we want to fix long-term care. You'd think if this was important to you, you would maybe consult the citizens Mm -hmm. whom you've been elected to serve. That's just my hot take. Still waiting for a lot of those air conditioners. Uh, Megan, let's uh, (laughs) jump into public reaction. I think you and I may have just mirrored some of it, but what has been the general public reaction? So the general public reaction obviously is quite concerned about this. Uh, The Ontario Nurses Association has spoken out against it. Different public service sector um, unions have spoken out against it. There's uh, been concerns about language rights, again, that I mentioned um, from Francophone patients, uh, the Ottawa Citizen. Uh, So where I live right now, they recently reported about a 62-year-old woman who has MS who um, has been forced to kind of jump around uh, long-term care homes even before this bill was passed. Uh, so it's even heightened that. Uh, last night I spoke with a man from uh, Sioux, uh, Sioux Lake, um, an Indigenous man there, Garnet, and he he's an alternative care uh, ALC patient, and he's concerned about if he'll have to move out of the community, further away from his family, uh, further away from his children, his wife, his grandchildren, and and he's, um, not to put too fine a point in it, but he's also a residential school survivor. So he's like, you know, I already went through the government telling me where I mm-hmm. had to live. I got out of that. I made like he's a former journalist. Like he's he's worked hard to tell the stories of his community, and now facing the potential that in his last years of life, the government will go and do that all over again. Mm. Megan. Anytime we're talking about a law that bears some controversy, there's bound to be some rumblings about legal action. Mm -hmm. Is there any sense of legal steps being taken by whether it be healthcare professionals, uh, patient advocacy groups, et cetera, et cetera? So the Ontario Human Rights Commission has uh, said that it's monitoring the situation. There were some groups that uh, uh, reached out to the commission and expressed their concerns. And just to, to make this clear, one of the things that does make this change especially concerning is that it is targeting ALC patients. So it is targeting a very specific group of people in the healthcare system, a group of people that is disproportionately more likely to be seniors or people with disabilities. So you can make an argument that this is direct discrimination on the basis of age, on the basis of disability. Uh, So as a result of that, there's also concerns that this violates the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities that says that individuals with disabilities should be allowed to have choice in where they live and not be forced into institutions. But again, um, these concerns have just been raised as of yet. Um, I haven't heard of any formal legal action being raised, but 
people are watching this situation closely. Megan, we've spoken to you frequently about the issues surrounding medical assistance in dying and the federal law around MAID. Do you believe there could be some intersectionality in the way that we're perceiving this story with that story? Sure. So one of the things that came up a lot um, for those who were listening to it or paying attention to it during the lead up to uh, what became known as Bill C-7, the law that passed last year, was that there are individuals in Canada who have considered or in some cases received a medically assisted death because they have disabilities and did not want to be moved into a long-term care home. Um, So it is not that they wanted to die. It is that they did not want to live in a long-term care institution. And when you have that already in the air, then to change the laws in Ontario to effectively force people who are already in who already have that in the back of their mind, potentially, into a long-term care home, I wouldn't be surprised if we see reports about MAID intersecting with this more directly. Again, this is just my thoughts as somebody who's watched uh, these things come uh, concurrently down the track. Um, There's people who are terrified to live in a long-term care home in this country, Mm -hmm. and they're opting to die as a result of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if those two things come together. Megan, let's pivot and end on something much more rosy. Let's try. Let's try okay. to end it on a bit of a happier note here, because you okay. know we're doing serious business. But let's yes, let's try. Let's let's try to let's try to pull the nose up a little bit as we wrap up <laughs> the segment. You just finished your first ever official summer living in Ottawa, a city that I, I absolutely adored living in, a city that I still wish I was kind of living in. What do you make of your first full summer in Ottawa? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I, I was traveling for a bit of it, so I wasn't here for all of it. Um, which I make in my first summer in Ottawa. Ottawa's a great city in terms of lots of outdoor space, lots of places to get around uh, for the summer, uh, which I really appreciated. Um, I, am, I, I learned this in the spring, actually, and it's coming up again this week. Ottawa gives people allergies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. And I did not know about this day when I moved here. And I was one of these people who was an allergy snob. Like I would hear people be like, I can't do anything because I have allergies. And I like outside I'd be like, oh, that's really sad. But inside I would be like, seriously, I've seen people do much more with their life under like harder circumstances. Like get over your nose. Right. <laughs> um, and then and then this happened. I moved here and I was like, oh my gosh. So I've been on a bit of an apology tour the past few months. Like there's been some individuals that I was quite judgmental of and I've had to call and be like, about that um but no it's a great city um i used the lrt for the first time to go down to the the fireworks for canada so oh right on little lrt life (laughs) hey when the lrt works it's great problem is it doesn't work all the time yeah, so you can call me in about maybe like 50 years and we'll see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the good old, good old Ottawa. We built a seven kilometer public transit tunnel that works sometimes. All right, guys, way to go. Really? You're, we appreciate it. Yeah, Anyways, really... municipal elections are coming up, everybody. There's our little, little plug. <laughs> There's a plug there, too. Megan, thank you for this. Have a great day. You too. That's Megan Gilmore, our accessibility reporter. If you have any stories that pop up across your life and your experience as a person with a disability or just as a human in general, and you want Megan to take a deeper dive, you can always reach out to the show by sending us an email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or if you think it might be a little too hard to explain in writing, you can always give us a phone call, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Coming up next, community reporter, Louise Levesque-Burley, 
Bailey will tell you about the the Container Village Arts event in St. John, New Brunswick. But first, we talked about the Lenovo event last week and some of their new technology. But what are the expectations for the new suite of iPhones? Derek Dennis speculates in Tech Trends. Apple is set to debut the iPhone 14 at an event called Far Out. And I suspect that what Apple is teasing here are some camera improvements for the new iPhone 14. Digital Trends' Caleb Dennison says that could mean better long-distance photography. Better telephoto lens so that you could take pictures of very faraway objects. Changes to the screen are possible. Could this be the year that the notch finally goes away? A lot of folks seem to think that it is. Dennison also says the smallest iPhone phone could be on the chopping block. I don't think we're going to get the mini phone that we've gotten in the past. New Apple watches are expected as well with a Series 8 watch joined by an SE model or an Apple Watch 8 Pro. Some people are thinking that it could be a bigger watch for a more active lifestyle. The event kicks off tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern with Tech Trends. I'm Derek Dennis, ABC News. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's catch up with community reporter Louise Levesque Burley in Moncton, New Brunswick. Hey, good morning, Louise. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Always nice to chat with you after a long weekend. Louise, you recently had the chance to visit Rosano's restaurant in Moncton and had a pretty good experience. Let's start with accessibility. Did you find that anything stood out to you? Were they accommodating to any, any of your particular needs? Absolutely. They're very accommodating. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about it because it was uh, my first time there and they couldn't do enough. And the waitress that I had, she had a bit of uh, training to serve the non-sighted. She didn't know the clock system. So I shared that with her. What's the, clo- what's the clock system? The clock system is, you know, you think of a clock in your mind and potatoes are 12 and the meat is at six and um, the veggies are usually on um, either three or nine. And in between there's, you know, so that you use that as a visual in your mind. Laying out the plate, laying out the plate for folks. Okay. Yeah. And then the liquids are usually on your right. And uh, so I shared that with her. And the second time I went with my friends, uh, she remembered. So, and the food and the, um, you know, because it's Rosano's, they say it's Italian, but there is a variety of food. There's not just, uh, they promote their chicken nachos and a variety of pasta foods, but they do have fish and, and burgers and chicken. So, they and it, it's a real nice atmosphere Dave like you're not on top of each other so you can hear who's at your table mm. or your booth and that's important to us right not being able to see um, now it is uh, cozy uh, low light so maybe for some low vision that wouldn't work so bring your little flashlight or, or magnifying glass with a, a light but it's a very nice atmosphere. I called ahead and I always tell them that I can't see. 
So um, they give me the same waitress, Lisa, and she's fantastic. She And they, you can eat outside, you know, in the summertime. Uh, there's a patio outside. And, uh, oh, Dave, their caramel cheesecake is to die for. So the food is good. There's no doubt in the quality of the food. You're giving that a ringing endorsement. Louise, I want to dig a little bit deeper onto this accessibility side because I know you've spoken mm-hmm. to us about restaurants before and some varying yes. experiences that you've had and this actually came up in a daily poll we did either last week or the week before about what a restaurant can do to make the experience more comfortable from a disability or accessibility point of view uh, things like lower tables so if someone's a wheelchair user uses a mobility device yes. it's easy to get to or even then just lower seats in general easy for folks to get into and out of without hopping up onto bar stools and trying to get around. So what are some of the things that you might look for? I know I love me a large print menu, like enough of these eight point, eight point fonts on menus, unnecessary, helpful for no one. And and also, I think that the restaurants need to to look at color contrast with their menus. Like sometimes, you know, uh, as we know, yellow background and black is great, and and white and and black or navy blue uh, writing is the best. Uh, you know, they have all these fancy colors, and you can, you can barely see them, like you said, because they're small. And uh, there's there's no reason why they can't have you know sixteen aerial or, or or whatnot, that's one. And then, you know, have a little training with your staff um, to be more verbal and to talk directly. Like, that's what I appreciated with this particular restaurant. They talk directly to me, not to my friends. Mm. What does she want type of thing? And, uh, you know, it's it's not just... Um, the behaviors. It's like you said, the physical part of it. And... The fact that you're not on top of each other, like you have space, you know, with my dog, right? Um, you have space for your your guide dog to to be in a corner and uh, not being underneath a table that he doesn't fit because he's too large, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, shove him in under. No, he he's he's too large. He's seventy eight pounds. I can't put him under there's a oh post oh my gosh there. mr fig monster uh, mr fig he's quite very muscular and very <laughs> mini mini horse mini horse oh my gosh it sounds like me uh just you know <laughs> a quarter of the size uh louise i'm just, I'm just gonna give folks uh, the, the information on rosanos here in case they do decide they want to take a trip or they're in the moncton area so it's on 30 mapleton road in moncton mm-hmm. and folks can call 506 506- if they want to uh, reach out in advance or visit the website, rosanos.ca. Let's uh, jump over to St. John, where folks in that neck of the woods have an opportunity to visit the Container Village and Area 506 Vendor Village. So what happens there? Well, it's... First of all, the container uh, container ship is what is used to transport all kinds of things on a boat. Uh, it could be vehicles to food to whatever. And what St. John has done is so unique. Um, they've they've taken the uh, discontinued. Uh, containers and made it into a village, a retail store village. It could be, they could be selling um, these containers, by the way, they're big, they're large. Um, They're like 40 feet and I don't know how high, but they're quite high. And um, 
so there's retail stores like clothing and there's arts and there's food and they use that at the waterfront they've created a little village of these containers and you can go there there's concerts um, there's different activities that you um, can attend at these and do you know what Dave this is such a great idea. Now, they've uh, named theirs 506, and 506 is the area code for New Brunswick. So I thought that was pretty unique. And, um, you know, I launched a challenge to the federal government. Like, you could have container condos. You could have container apartments, village. You could use – we have lots of land in Canada. There is no reason why – people have to live on the streets uh you know they could be using these discontinued containers and by the way uh, there is a six inch step to get into the containers however once you are in it's all flat just so you know and um they are also um uh you know, uh, flat in, if you're mobility challenged, you may have difficulty with a six inch, um, but the doorway is wide. Yeah, this is, an so this is an opportunity where an organization like Stopgap might come into play to build the yeah, uh, temporary ramps, and this yeah. could be a huge opportunity. Louise, I also, I also agree with the merit of containers as potential dwellings. A few of my favorite YouTube channels are actually people who live off the grid in containers and yeah. rig them up with solar panels and plumbing yeah. and all kinds of stuff. It's actually very conceivable and very doable and extremely yeah. low cost if they were looking it's... for affordable housing solutions or tiny home solutions. So you're definitely yeah. on to something there, Louise, no doubt about it so wednesdays yeah. to sundays 11 a.m to 7 p.m sounds like quite a cool happening area 506.ca is where you can go learn more to visit the container village louise we've got about two minutes on the clock here you're always up to something fun you're always finding activities <laughs> and hobbies for us to stay busy and you recently came across the tactile turn cube tell me about this new hobby of yours well, it's a brain teaser, Dave, and it's a square with six different services. And on the surface, it has dots, and the dots are, are tactile. Uh, some are pointy, some are flat, some are indented. And the idea here, and it's also great for low vision because there's a lot of contrast color. And so, um, and it's very easy to manipulate with your hands. It turns very nicely. It's a great thing to what would the idea is to try and get all the same dots on the same surface. Uh, I'm down to two dots on the same surface. And yes, you can Google it and find out how to do it. But I don't want to do that. No, I no. want to figure it out myself. <laughs> Those are cheat codes. Yeah, Louise, yeah. They, they probably can't call it this for copyright purposes, but it looks like it's just a tactile Rubik's Cube. If I'm yes, if we're being honest you're here. absolutely correct, but they had to come up with a tactile turnkey. <laughs> yeah, well, the, in Rubik's, order not the, to Rubik's, the Rubik's people are very litigious. <laughs> yes, exactly. But anyway, it's great to have on hand for coffee breaks, traveling, rainy day. Uh, I use mine uh, every day pretty well to keep my brain active so uh, and it's only $13.95 at the braille store my favorite store to shop online <laughs> and uh, the item number is 1173 because every item in the braille store has a, a number 
BrailleBookstore.com if folks are looking for that stuff. And Louise, I 100% agree. You know, so many folks do things like Sudoku or crossword puzzles right. or Wordle to keep their mind occupied. And sometimes with all of those, even though there are some accessibility functions that are there, they're not always super fluid and super easy to use. So anything we can do to distract ourselves and keep our minds sharp makes sense to me. Louise, thank you for keeping us sharp. We appreciate it. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Take good care, Dave. That's Louise Levesque Burley, a community reporter in Moncton, New Brunswick. If you want to find out more information about these stories, I encourage you to visit our blog. Now, amongst the many changes around now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv, we've also changed the address here. Now, this one's not too hard to keep track of. It's fairly easy. In fact, it's just a slightly shorter version of the old one. AMI.ca slash now ami.ca slash now I kind of like that it rolls off the tongue nicely ami.ca slash now that's where you go only two dollars <laughs> in fine so far this hour coming up after the break it's the regional news update this is now with Dave Brown on AMI It's a Tuesday edition of Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's September the 6th, 2022. Summer's not over yet, officially, but the kids are back to school in pretty much every single province today or tomorrow. Quebec was back last week. I'm tripping out seeing all my friends posting pictures of their kids on the first day of school. I had this professor, listen, time is linear. I understand these things. I had this professor in 2009, and she was pregnant at the time. And now her daughter is going into grade seven. And she posted a picture today of her daughter starting grade seven. And it really trips me out. Really, really trips me out. Okay, coming up in the second hour of the show, beyond my ongoing existential crisis. Google Meet has new accessibility features to offer users. Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech will fill you in. And Andy Frank, Ryan Dillahanty, and Alex Smith, Smythe, join us for the weekly news quiz. Before I bring you the regional news update, let's look abroad to a couple of international stories. Ukraine's largest power plant has been knocked off the grid yesterday by shelling. Charles de Ledesma has the story. Concerns growing for the Zaporizhia plant as shelling around it continues, a day after the facility was again knocked off grid and put in the precarious position of relying on its own power. Two inspectors remain at the plant, which is run by Ukrainian workers under Russian command, and Ukrainian presidential adviser Mikhailo Podolyak has applauded that decision. He says there are Russian troops there who don't understand what's happening and don't assess the risks correctly. Repeated war from world leaders that fighting around the plant has put it in an untenable position have done little to stem the hostilities. I'm Charles Diladesma. Another international political story outside of 10 Downing Street, Boris Johnson delivered his final speech as Britain's Prime Minister Tom Rivers has more. He didn't mention the two years of self-inflicted lockdown damage that's impacted the economy. Instead, Boris Johnson heaped all the blame for the problems Britain's facing on Moscow. If Putin thinks that he can succeed by blackmailing or bullying the British people, 
then he is utterly deluded. Energy bills this winter here will triple or more. If there's no government help, many average citizens and businesses will suffer badly. Tom Rivers, ABC News, London. Tom Rivers is a fine journalist and good broadcaster, but self-inflicted lockdown economic damage, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Like, we're trying, we're trying to stop people from, like, dying in hospitals, like, en masse. Self-inflicted economic lockdown damage, like, this was a necessity. You can quibble with me and debate me all you want, but how many people exactly did you want to die, precisely? Like, there's a big difference between what's going on in Ukraine and what happened during the pandemic. And I'm not disputing that there was economic damage. Self-inflicted, though. Like, choose your words a little more carefully, Tom. (laughs) Hot take on Tom Rivers here on a Tuesday. Let's get to one more story, and this one's coming to you from the United States. A U.S. federal judge has granted a request from former President Donald Trump's legal team to appoint a special master to review the documents seized from the FBI's raid at Mar-a-Lago. Reporter M. Wynn has more from Washington. Judge Aileen Cannon citing the interest in ensuring the integrity of an orderly process amidst swirling allegations of bias and media leaks. Cannon at the same time blocking the Department of Justice from using the seized materials for investigative purposes pending completion of the special master's review. But she adds that this order would not impede on the ongoing assessment of any possible damage to national security by the intelligence community. The Justice Department and Trump's lawyers are to submit a list of proposed special master candidates by Friday. Okay, let's pivot from international news to the regional news update. The founder of Naloxone, a group that teaches students how to recognize an overdose and use naloxone to potentially save someone's life, is calling on the B.C. government to include overdose prevention in the high school curriculum. Chloe Goodson says Naloxone's 30 volunteers have developed and delivered presentations to about 2,000 secondary students. She says she's hoping to expand the presentations to Burnaby this fall, but wants students from across the province where there have been more than 10,000 drug-related deaths since 2016 to have access to the same education. The Education Ministry says it's up to individual school districts to decide whether to offer such programs. And then heading back into the prairies, getting some reaction in relation to the stabbing spree that went on in that province over the weekend. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe says there are no words to describe the pain and loss suffered by the families of those killed and wounded in the rampage. Please contact the police or the RCMP. You'll be preventing further violence and you will be ensuring that justice is done on behalf of the victims' families. Every moment that these individuals remain remain at large, innocent people are in danger. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the fatal stabbing attack in Saskatchewan, which claimed those 10 lives, is heartbreaking. He says this kind of thing has become too common in Canada in recent years. Saskatchewanians and Canadians uh, will do what we always do in times of difficulty and anguish. We'll be there for each other. Be there for our neighbours, lean on each other, help grieve and help heal. We will continue to do that and all Canadians will be with you in this difficult time. According to the RCMP, one suspect remains at large while the other was found dead yesterday.
The Jasper Town Site in Jasper National Park has been experiencing power outages due to a large out-of-control wildfire. Parks Canada says the fire was estimated to be just over 6,000 hectares in size. It said over the weekend that specialized crews were working at a protecting utility line that supplies electricity to the community, Atco Electricity. The utility that supplies the town site said that it was switching critical sites to generated generator power, including the wastewater treatment and water treatment plants, traffic lights, the hospital, and the Jasper Activity Center. And then over to Quebec, where the election is ongoing. Liberal leader Dominique Anglade is going on the offensive on the campaign trail today, while Coalition Avenir Quebec leader François Legault will be visiting ridings his party already holds. Anglade will visit three different ridings held by Legault's party, including the one-time Liberal stronghold of Châteauguay, that her party lost by just over 1,000 votes in 2018. Conservative leader Eric Duham is also making a bid to win some Anglophone supports, and will continue that effort today with appearances in Montreal in an interview with an organization that represents Quebec's English community. Legault will visit three ridings in central Quebec that his party holds from their election win in 2018. Over to Ontario, where students across much of the province are returning to the classroom today. Lori Paris has that story. Students in the province who go back to school today or tomorrow, depending on the district, will be able to attend class without wearing a mask, while in-person lessons will trump remote options. Ontario's top doctor announced last week that people who test positive for COVID-19 no longer have to isolate for five days, but can return to work or school once their fever is gone and their other symptoms have been improving for at least 24 hours. But the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario and the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation say they're worried that allowing children and educators to return to the classroom while still potentially contagious could cause the virus to spread faster in schools. Lori Paris, the Canadian Press. And we finish in the Atlantic region where two of the eight workers injured in a refinery explosion in Newfoundland have been released from hospital as the facility's owner says construction work at the site will be halted until September the 12th. Brea Renewable Fuels says it will resume work at the Come By Chance Refinery 150 kilometers west of St. John's after it is assessed by its Occupational Health and Safety Division next week. The cause of Friday's explosion and subsequent fire at the refinery is under investigation by police and the province's Occupational Health and Safety Division. That's your look at regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Hope you enjoyed a busy long weekend in sports. Let's actually go back in time to Friday when you and I were discussing the mind-popping stat of Connor McDavid being just a few points behind Steven Stamkos and John Tavares in all-time scoring, even though he's been in the league for six and seven years less than them. And I asked you the question, and I pondered out loud, how many points did they have at a similar point in their career as Connor McDavid? Well, Brock, you went into the research vessel and you pulled the numbers for us. I did, and one thing you'll learn, and you in the audience, is if somebody puts something on the table, I'm a man of my word, and I will come back with the information, and I have just that for you today. So let's go back a little bit in time and tell you and remind you that Connor McDavid had a total of 667 points in his first seven seasons. If we look at uh, Steven Stamkos, he had 498. John Tavares had 471. Wow. And... Connor McDavid cracked 
the 100 mark four times in his first seven seasons, where neither of the above two did that once in their first seven seasons. There it is. There's Brock in the research submarine pulling those numbers just to make sure we all know how incredible Connor McDavid really is. Turns out that guy is good at hockey. Brock, someone who is really good at tennis is Serena Williams, and it may be all over for the tennis star after dropping a match at the U.S. Open on Friday night. Yes, it it was an incredible match. Uh, she went down uh, kicking and screaming and punching and not letting uh, her opponent just get a hold of her, but it finally went down, and she really could have taken that game uh more than once over the the weekend, and she just didn't. But again, I want to highlight the great of uh, Serena Williams and all she was. So we now know, and it finishes up as 96 career titles, 20, 39 Grand Slams, 23 major titles, 14 doubles titles, and four Olympic gold medals. Mm. So I, I don't think Serena has much to... Uh, to, to look at with the U.S. Open, yes, the result was hoped to be better, but in the end, her results speak for herself, and she will be greatly, greatly missed. But can you imagine being the individual who beat her, and now you have that on record that you were the one to finish Serena's career? <laughs> Brock, I, I know that Serena is in her 40s. I know she's talking about uh, uh, having a bigger family, spending more time with her family. I'm not all the way convinced she's done. I, I with, with any athlete, I'm never all the way convinced they're done until they're done done. But let's go under the theory that she is indeed done. She won a major before Tom Brady even threw a touchdown pass in college. Before Tom Brady even threw a touchdown pass at the University of Michigan in the late 90s, Serena Williams had already won a tennis major. I think just in terms of dominance on the court, she is the greatest of all time. She's probably the greatest in women's sports. I think she is the woman, the greatest in women's sports. And I think she might actually be the greatest of all time in all sports with all due respect to Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and LeBron James and Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and Tom Brady and Joe Montana. I think that when you're talking about individual sports and you're talking about the length of time with which she dominated the sport, where she basically had no equal from about 2004 till 2017, was pretty much untouchable for those 13 years. I think that this is the greatest of all time. And she has done something for the sport, not dissimilar to what Tiger Woods did for golf, broadened the range. And I'm not just pulling that out of my rear end, Coco Goff. A young black woman has said she would not have started playing tennis unless it was for Serena Williams. Oh, yeah. And you know what, Dave? That legacy is still going to live on. You're still going to hear from individuals who we don't even know yet, we're not even aware of, that are going to say, I played because of Serena. I did this because of Serena. Serena's legacy, in my opinion, is not yet over, if we can put it that way, because there are going to be people that are still going to say that for years and I would argue decades to come because she put such a stamp on tennis. And again, the announcer asked her during the interview, are you done? And she said, I think so. Uh, is there is there any chance of you coming back? 
maybe, but I don't think so, was her direct quote. So to your point, maybe she's not done, but I think for now she wants to focus on other things to do, and she's earned the right to do oh, that. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly has. Brock, Saturday was a big day for college football, while Labor Day was a big day for Canadian football. Any observations from the Argos and Ticats or the Elks and Stampeders? Uh, let's go with the Argos and Ticats. Um, first of all, this is their fourth time meeting in the last 30 days, which tells that's you that they oh, man, really, tough. really don't like each other anyways. Um, but this series confirmed that I, I would say that, um, the Argos needed to take care of business against Jamie Newman. Uh, he was a rookie quarterback uh things just haven't been going well in hamilton there was a lot of people there uh hamilton's only got three wins on the season not good enough hamilton is one of those meccas in at least the east uh which doesn't say a lot because there's not many meccas in the east yeah. anyways as it is but <laughs> but uh it, it's it it's was what it was it's, it's the mecca of the east when everything else is just kind of run down yeah exactly and so great game i think that um you know, McLeod Bethel Thompson needs to be that quarterback that everyone thinks he should be, but he needs to do it on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, I, I was watching the um, the West game, and I just things just looked way better in the in the West game. Um, you know, when you think of Calgary and what they do, I, I know Edmonton is not doing well either, but David's just such a more f- flashy game if you want to put it that way uh, there's just so many tips and interceptions in the east it's, it's like the west is a whole nother league in and of itself and i get it they have you know bigger names in the west of quarterback than the east i get all that but i don't know it just it seems like the east is the junior league compared to the West, who is more of the professional, and I hate saying that, but it it just looks that way to me, Dave. Yeah, except the Argos keep beating the Rough Riders whenever the Saskatchewans and the Torontos mm-hmm. meet up. That's the one thing that's mm-hmm. been different here. But Toronto clearly is the class of the East, which isn't saying much, but they are the class of the East. And I think anytime Brendan Banks touches the field, the wide receiver for the Argos, longtime receiver for the Ty Cats, anytime he touches the field, it's going to be exciting because that guy is explosive and another 80 yards yesterday and a big long touchdown for Brandon Banks. So that's one of the yeah. players. That's always a must watch in the CFL. Love the, that explosive nature. Can't believe he's already in his 30s. But again, I'm, I'm going to watch this midlife crisis that I'm having on the air. Yeah. Uh, Brock, let's actually let's do a quick thought here on Sunday. The best rivalry in hockey, Canada and the USA. When it comes to women's hockey, a nip and tuck game. But Canada comes out with the win. Yes, they did. It was an amazing, amazing game. Uh, this marks the trifecta as they won the Olympic Games the under 18 and the world championships. Listen, Canada didn't play well in the round robin game, but all that matters in the end is that they, they got the gold medal and they just seem to be uh, the better team. And Renee Debian made a incredible save in the last 90 seconds. Marie fully planned, blocked a shot. It was wonderful to watch. It was amazing. And congratulations to Canada for doing it back-to-back jobs at the World Champion 
chips and Canada as a whole getting these three events. Wonderful to see. Yeah, nice golden year there. And those two teams are going to be playing a best of seven. I think it's early next year, later this year. Uh, but there's going to be m- plenty more Canada-USA women's hockey, which is pretty much the main event every time those two end up going at it. Brock, let's uh, hold off on the Jays. We'll talk about them tomorrow. They, they put themselves in a really good position after a nice weekend. But I feel like we're kind of beating the same drum over and over again. So let's hold the Blue Jays till tomorrow. But give me some insight on a brand new episode of The Neutral Zone, which we are anticipating dropping today. Uh, actually, we our first drop is uh, next week. This will be the day that we drop uh, for for weeks moving forward. But our first drop is next week, and we will have Karen O'Neill, who's the uh, president of the Canadian Paralympic Committee, joining us. And plus, we're going to have all of us together with the uh, with the panel because it's a big change and we're looking forward to it and it's going to be a fun time but yeah look for that next week right so that's next week will be the first time where the podcast drops as a podcast but also as a youtube episode yes that's correct so we will drop as a as a podcast first we'll be on a ami audio uh, around 11 a.m or so in the morning and then after that you'll see the uh youtube drop as well but to the Best of my knowledge, it drops on AMI Audio first and then the YouTube platform. Yeah, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI Audio. And then, yeah, it's going to be spreading out all across the AMI family. Hey, Brock, thank you for this. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. We will indeed. That is Brock Richardson. He is the host of The Neutral Zone and he's our sports reporter. Let's go w- welcome in Alex Smythe for the National Weather Update. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Out in Cornerbrook, in Newfoundland, it's cloudy with a 60% chance of showers and a high of 17. In Charlottetown, PEI, it's also mainly cloudy with a chance of showers this morning and a high of 20. In St. John, New Brunswick, the showers in the morning, but they will clear this afternoon with a high of 22. In Quebec City, Quebec, it's sunny and a high of 23. In Toronto, Ontario, it's sunshine with a mix of sun and clouds in the afternoon and a high of 24. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, sunny with a high of 25. In Brandon, Manitoba, it's sunny and hazy with a high of 26. Regina, Saskatchewan, sunshine and a high of 26. In Lethbridge, Alberta, it's sunny and hazy with a high of 28. In Red Deer, Alberta, it's mainly sunny and hazy with a high of 23. Up in Whitehorse, Yukon, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 16. Kelowna, BC, it's sunny and then it's hazy later in the morning with a high of 29. Vancouver, BC, sunny, turning hazy this afternoon and a high of 21. That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Google Meet has new accessibility features. Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech will fill you in. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's say hello to the founder of Cool Blind Tech, Nelson Rego, to talk about what's happening in the world of accessible technology. Hey, good morning, Nelson. 
Hey, good morning, Dave. So, Nelson, Google has some new accessibility features rolling out into their Google Meet platform. Users will be able to use the space button as a mute toggle. I would find that super useful. What do you think, Nelson? Um, well, other uh, platforms have done it for a while, so it's uh, it's good that Google's finally come around to doing it uh, for uh, for uh, uh, the keyboard. So uh, this would be a web interface um, uh, for those uh, who are wondering uh, how this is going to roll out. But uh, it's definitely going to be useful for those who um, have the uh, mute on by default, because uh, <laughs> when you start talking and people can't hear you on the other end. And uh, for those, of course, um, who are talking and then they forget to uh, mute themselves, um, you know, when other people are trying to talk. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, it'll be a cool uh, little feature for it's, them to uh, to use. It's way easier than scrambling around looking for the mute or unmute button on your software yeah. versus having something oh, yeah. tactile to use. I mean, it's such, it's such a reminder of how useful tactile items can be. Now, Nelson, you used the word default before. Is this something that's going to be enabled by default or do I have to do something in my settings? Uh, in this case, you're going to have to uh, uh, go into your settings and then enable those features to toggle on and off. Uh, so, because uh, some people might prefer uh, being on by default, so uh, it'll give you an extra sort of feature. And then you got the big space bar right there, so it's 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 an easy sort of uh, button to hit uh, right in front of you. So, um, I know I know for myself, I kind of prefer like just kind of holding it down and let go, but. Uh, uh, until they roll it out, uh, we won't be 100% sure like how uh, extensive the uh, options are going to be. What are some of the other accessibility features that are expected in this rollout? Uh, well, they actually got some really cool uh, key commands for um, uh, screen reader users. So uh, they're calling it accessible info. Uh, so, for example, if you want to uh, to know who is uh, speaking uh, for Mac users, uh, you would hit the command um, command control and then uh, S. And then for our PC users, uh, you do uh, uh, Control, uh, Alt, and S. And then if you want to, uh, to turn on and off caption for those who need it, uh, you would just hit the letter C for both uh, PC and Mac users. And then uh, if you want to turn on and off your camera, uh, say if you want to step away for a bit, uh, for the Mac users, you would do a, a Command E. And then for uh, PC users, you would do a, a Control E. Uh, and then there's uh, just uh, a lot more commands uh, available. Uh, I have a list of them on the CBT website. Also, if you're in a uh, Google Meet call, you can also just do a shift uh, question mark, and they'll give you the whole list of the key commands. Nice. When is this rollout expected? Uh, the initial rollout is September 7th, uh, and then they're Tomorrow. expected to do nice. a um, sort of a, they're, they're thinking it's going to be a, Everyone should be getting it within two weeks. Uh, but the, yeah, the initial roll is supposed to be out uh, uh, tomorrow, actually. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be pretty quick. Nelson, you've got your weekly tech tip for us, and it's about changing Amazon's voice assistant. You're going to explain how to change yes. the type of voice for the voice assistant whose name we are not going to trigger on air. <laughs> Uh, well, now there's a bunch of names that we can make it trigger. Uh, so uh, this was out uh, a while ago. Um, I, I know we're not, uh, we don't mention that, uh, you know, the, the one name, but uh, there's a lot more to choose from now. Um, so, uh, for example, if you want to go directly to your speaker and, and change it, uh, you can invoke the uh, command name, the, the wake word, and then you could say, uh, um, uh, oh, sorry. 
I've got my notes here wrong. Are we doing the word or the uh, the voice here? The wake word? I mean, uh, we could do the voice and the wake word. We can do them both. What do oh, you want to do? Yeah, sorry. What's in front of you? Uh, yeah, so if, if you want to change the, uh, the, the wake word, uh, then you could use, um, we've said it a couple of times. So a Amazon is one of them. Uh, Echo is another one. Uh, computer, we say that a lot. Uh, and then my favorite is Ziggy. So, um, <laughs> oh, and that's what I have now. Now, yeah. So uh, I, the, uh, the the Z the Z one the the Z one is probably a little bit safer because nobody, unless they're listening to a lot of Ziggy Marley around their house, isn't going to be saying that word too often, or unless they're uh, ordering zigzags from their dip enter. Yeah. So so those those who don't like uh, it being set off with like the the obvious uh, um, you know commands or uh, you know company names. Um, I suggest use something that's kind of obscure. So, and, and that's why I started uh, using uh, uh, Ziggy for myself. <laughs> There's Ziggy always wanting to get back <laughs> to you, I, Nelson. I think I think that speaks to something that's really important with these voice technologies because they've become so ubiquitous that now in TV commercials, in podcast promos, they're using that terminology and they are triggering stuff. Sometimes I'm not going to say nefariously, but it'll kind of say hey, assistant, or hey, whomever, and like, yeah. look for this. What's that? Next thing you know, your devices are firing off and going crazy. It just speaks to the way in which you almost need to re-protect and recalibrate ourselves from the way in which the people are using these things uh, too colloquially. Yeah, I mean, for, for myself, I, I usually keep that away from my TV. Uh, so I have one of those fire TVs. So to in invoke the command word, you actually have to press uh, the button on the remote to actually... Uh, for it to listen so that's good in that aspect but yeah if you got one of your speakers around it's it's just gonna go off uh even if you're watching a movie or tv show it's like constantly going off in the background so it's um it's annoying to kind of hit the mute switch on the uh on the google device and then of course the uh, uh you know the amazon one it's you know you almost have to like uh manually just hit the mute button and yeah. nobody wants to do that so what if I do want to change the name, the, uh, what if I want to change the voice? Once I've changed the wake word, what if I do want to change the voice? How do I do that? Uh, well, well it's a, that's an easy step as well. So you would just invoke the, the current uh, uh, um, command, and then you would say, uh, you know, change voice. So uh, is it okay if I use Ziggy? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, ahead, go use Ziggy. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Ziggy, change voice. Okay, you're all set. I'll be the voice you hear when you... Hi. So that's the default voice, and I changed it. It was earlier, it was a male. So, Ziggy, change voice. Okay, you're all set. I'll be the voice you hear when you speak to this device. Yeah. If so... you'd like to change how you wake me up, you can also change your wake word. Yeah, so now it's given the option to change the wake word we were talking about earlier. So uh, that's an easy way to do it. Sometimes uh, it won't do it the, by the device. So if you want to do it through the app, uh, you would do it um, through the uh, the Amazon app that they have uh, for the the word we can't say. <laughs> and then uh, you, you want to tab on the uh, uh, on where the devices tab at the bottom. Uh, and then at the top left, you want to tab on the, uh, the Echo uh, speaker there. And then you want to scroll down to your device and then uh, from there, you want to tab on the, uh, the cog settings on the top right-hand corner. And then from there, you can change uh, the wake word and the voice in there manually. Uh, keep in mind, this doesn't work for third-party devices. So if you have like uh, a Sonos or one of those um, you know, third-party speakers that happen to have 
uh, those assistants, then it, it won't uh, usually work on those devices. Nelson, we thank you for your time on this one today. Have a nice week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Great. Take care. That's Nelson Rego, the founder of Cool Blind Tech. Coming up after the break, we'll say hello to Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdel-Majid, see what's cracking with them. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's welcome Nizreen Abdel-Majid and Ramya Amuthan into the show for a little bit of a chat before we find out what's coming up on Kelly and Company this afternoon. Guys, let's turn to the world of entertainment for a bit of a talking point. The weekend had to cut a concert short over the weekend when he lost his voice during the show. Luke Combs also had to cancel the show before it started because he was having vocal troubles. Luke Combs, of course, being a country singer. Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam had to cancel the majority of their European tour because of some smoke inhalation from forest fires and wildfires that caused him to lose his voice, although they're back on track. They were playing shows all over Ontario over the weekend, and I was very jealous of some of my friends going to see Pearl Jam. But Nazreen, Ramya, welcome back to the show. We appreciate saying hello to you guys. Nazreen, you are a professional broadcaster, a singer, a DJ. What do you do to keep your voice in tip-top shape? Tea. I mean, coffee and tea. More, more of coffee. Uh, a lot of hot drinks. <laughs> but I coffee is I not good. To... Coffee is not good for your vocal cords. I mean, hot liquids. It matters. I know. I, I know. It should be more of like a tea, lemon, yeah, lemon, lemon and ginger water, tea. Lemon water tea. Yeah. Lemon water tea. Yeah. I mean, but realistically i went for more of a coffee i'm a coffee drinker but i wanted to ask you have you ever liked your voice you know when it's half gone better than your natural voice uh no uh, anyone who is very really anyone who's very familiar with my career uh knows that i had polyps on both my vocal cords for about five mm. years and i sounded like trash by the end so <laughs> i am someone who does not like the sound of my voice after maybe a few too many uh marlboro whites and a couple of whiskeys when but nazreen i'm getting the impression that you do like it when your voice is a little gravelly I had laryngitis a month ago and I just, I kind of liked it. I liked it. It was, it was that raspy voice that I was into. And then when I got my normal voice back and I'm like, it's not my vibe anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in Ramya on this one. Ramya, I know you are a singer. You're doing all kinds of public events, music stuff, also a professional broadcaster. What do you do to keep your voice in shape? So keeping hydrated all day is the way that I find, um, helps me most so it's not just chugging water and I do some of this you know freelance narration stuff right Dave and one of my first gigs when I had to like sit there and do voice recording for I don't know an hour two hours straight um I started to really hear like that the the uh, what do they call it mouth noise yeah and I was like oh my god what is this and it was five six days in a row where I had to do so much um voice recording and I thought what am I doing so I looked at all kinds of tips, read up on so much stuff. And the key is, and I, I find it really works for me, is to keep hydrated all day. So just keep sipping on water, mm-hmm. um, warm liquids more than cold, nothing with sugar in it or, uh, 
dairy, like no milk, no cream, stuff like that. But sip on it all day, which is good for your body and is good for your voice. Mm-hmm. Does black That's my PSA. coffee count? No. No. Black coffee no. does not count. The caffeine dries you Because it dehydrates you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, water with coffee I mean, is what I'm getting at. No, just, just water. Just water, okay. period. You okay. can, you, I mean, sure? Nizreen, you can drink as much coffee as you want. That's fine. <laughs> but we're just saying that it's not going to be necessarily good for your vocal cords. But I, but yeah, I, yeah. But there, I, I do understand what you're saying in terms of, like, momentary sensation, right? That in the moment when you're drinking that coffee and it's going down your throat, it's like, oh, that feels good. It's rubbing my throat up. But in the long term, you're... You're just making the problem a little bit worse. Uh, guy. I, I want to ask you this question more specifically to the weekend because Luke Combs obviously says, no, I'm not doing my show. My voice doesn't sound good. It's it's not going to be good for the fans. In the case of Eddie Vedder in Europe with Pearl Jam, they said, no, no, we're canceling these shows. We're giving refunds. If an artist cuts off a concert right in the middle for a health issue, do you want a refund? Should you get a refund? What do you think, Ramya? Oh, so like they came on stage and then they were like, "We can't." Yeah, the weekend yeah. came on. The weekend came on stage, performed oh. part of his set, and then he lost his voice and like and right at nine thirty, it was early. Yeah, that sucks. I don't know if I'd want a refund because I can understand, right? Like honestly, as a performer, I can understand if your voice is not doing well uh, and you're actually, you know, creating a worse circumstance for yourself by continuing to push through. Because we've seen some celebrities do that, and it's brutal, right? Yeah. Like I had um, SZA cancel on the TDE concert. I was really looking forward to seeing her, but she had just pushed her voice to the absolute limit for the past month during their tour. And then she didn't come to the concert in Toronto and I was super bummed out, but I could understand she pushed too hard. So refund, probably not. It feels a little rude, but um, I would, I would definitely be upset halfway through the concert that he left. I, I don't mean to play populist here, but if I've sprung for $500 yeah, for a ticket yeah. on the floor of the weekend, yeah. I'm like, I, I, I maybe I'm not even looking for a full but he showed refund. Up, but but if I only got half, the, but if I only got half the show, right? What's 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 the acceptable amount of entertainment for my five hundred dollars? How about merch? Some on people the way are paying out. a Free thousand. Merch. Oh, Nizreen, we'll come back to you for a second one. Rami, that's an interesting question. What if there's a way in which we can maybe offer some compensation? That is, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a shirt. I'm going to give you a poster. I'm going to send you a signed. I'm going to send you a signed something or other. And maybe we're going to give you a fifty to eighty dollar Ticketmaster credit. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? Like where where you're kind of meeting the person halfway, but I don't know. To me, a refund feels like a bit much. Half refund? Maybe. Nizreen, uh, you you seem to you seem to be a little closer to my side, which is if I've paid a bunch of money for this, I want my whole show. So give me a refund and or 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 give me a credit and postpone this date and give me a rain check. But what do you make of Ramya's idea of saying we can find some alternative ways to compensate you? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people that I'm seeing are paying more than $500 for their seats and they're not even close seats. They're the balcony seats. So I'm saying like approximately $1,000 for each seat. I would say a refund is fair. And I understand he came, he did his best and it was about his health. But at the same time, a lot of people worked hard for that money. And I don't mean to be rude, but if I was the one paying that much money and I only saw half of the show uh not even a quarter of the show and it wasn't fulfilling enough i would expect a refund yeah Mm. 
interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder what the fine print says on these tickets, because how many times in the 1980s did you hear about Guns N' Roses or Metallica just showing up to a show and being completely off their gourd and showing up an hour late and cutting performances short? Yeah. So I, I, I wonder what the fine print says about uh, the state of the artist and their uh, overall health and what that entitles you in terms of a refund. But that is a, that is a, separate, a separate question for the lawyers on a separate day. Nazreen, we now say goodbye to you, but Ramya, stay there for one more moment and tell me what's coming up on Kelly and Company at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Absolutely. We have tons coming on right after Labor Day weekend, so we're catching up with a lot of people. So we're working, uh, we're talking on working out. So fitness contributor uh, Francis Wong is talking about pickleball, Dave. Mm. I've personally not endeavored in pickleball, but she'll tell us all about it when we talk about it on our health and wellness segment. Uh, plus, we're learning about JAWS. The public beta is out very, very soon. So Michael Babcock is telling us about that and some other accessibility and tech-related things. And we're checking in with T- Jeff Thompson, our woodworking uh, a contributor, about woodworking for the blind. And this is the group that really helped him leap into his uh, woodworking, you know, hobbies, careers, everything that brought him here. So he's going to tell us more about that. Right on. Sounds like a great show. I'm very curious to hear whether or not pickleball is being made accessible because in the last couple of years, it has absolutely blown up. But it's a very, I don't want to say like overly fast paced sport, but it's a quick one. It's sort of a combination of tennis and badminton. So it, it it can move pretty quick. And I don't know how much Sonic you can put into the ball to actually allow a user to uh, keep playing in real time. But, hey, maybe maybe Francis is the inside scoop. I know, and I'm definitely curious now because there's blind tennis, so... Right. Accessible pickleball? Right. Is there a way way to do it? We'll find out. Ramya, thank you for this. Thanks, Dave. That's Ramya Emuthan, the co-host of Kelly & Company, coming your way 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up after the break, it's a new special iteration of the news quiz. The contestants, Andy Frank, Ryan Dillahanty, and Alex Smythe. Quizmaster, yours truly, the old DB. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown, and it's time for the weekly news quiz with your quiz master, Mr. Dave Brown. Woo! We have three contestants in the mix today. Let's first go down the hall in Studio One of beautiful Toronto, Ontario. It's Andy Frank. How you doing, Dave Brown? I'm doing well, putting on my Harry Carey announcer voice while I'm hosting the quiz. I don't know if that's a Harry Carey. You're having way too much fun hosting this quiz. Too much fun putting y'all to the test. We also go out to beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia, joined by content development specialist Ryan Delahanty. All right, Ryan, you were on mute there for a second, but I assume you said something funny. And finally, we go down to Burlington, Ontario to... (laughs) catch up with Alex Smythe. It's good to be here, Dave. I, I just noticed there's a progression of beard growth on this uh, uh, news quiz. <laughs> Where do we start? We start with Ryan, uh, Ryan keeping it a little bit clean, and then you and Andy getting a little uh, fuzzier as we go. Uh, let's uh, jump right into this, guys. Let me explain the rules, because we have some uh, newcomers onto this quiz. We have three rounds of questions, three questions per round. Each question comes with three multiple-choice questions. If you answer the question correctly without hearing the options... 
you get two points. If you need to hear the options and get it right, it's one point for you. If you get it wrong, we move on and you are humiliated. The order of the contestants was drawn by Mike Ross and the order will be Ryan, Alex, and Andy. So beginning in round one with Ryan. Eager fans of what band or performer lined up for hours to shop at their new pop-up store that opened in Toronto last week? I will need the options here. Your options are Bad Bunny, Post Malone, or BTS. Let's go with BTS. That is correct. Ding! Called space of BTS. Hundreds of fans waited in line, camping out on lawn chairs overnight and sleeping on the mall floor as early as 7 p.m. Tuesday to be given numbered tickets for store entry. Let's jump over to Alex. Alex, a long-anticipated three-digit suicide prevention and mental health crisis hotline will come online in 2023. Canada's telecom regulator said last Wednesday, what digits make up the number? Uh, uh, I, I need the options. It's either 888 or 999. Hopefully those aren't two of the options. So your options are 988, 899, or 898. That's that's worse. I thought it was all the three of the same. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 988. That is correct. The Canadian Radio Television and Communications Commission, otherwise known as the CRTC, said it will use 988 as the hotline's number, the same three digits adopted by a similar hotline that was launched in the United States in July. We now head over to Andy Frank. Andy, MPs voted unanimously in favor. Oh, excuse me. This was that was not that was just more information. We don't need to, we don't need to read more information. Coming over to Andy. Andy, according to a new report from the Canadian Centre for Substance Abuse and Addiction, how many alcoholic drinks consumed in one week does it take to have a highly increased risk of a host of health issues, including cancer? I'll definitely need the options on that one. So your options are 10, 6, or 2. You know, I read that, and I seem to remember thinking, wow, that's a low number, and I'm in deep trouble. So I'm going to go with 2. Oh, I'm sorry. That's wrong. We now head over to Ryan. This was uh, a big chat, a talking point in Nova Scotia over the weekend. I think it used to be 13, and they just changed it to 6. Oh, health risks include heart disease, several types of cancer, and liver cirrhosis. But 10, six a week. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, heading into round two, we have Ryan with two points. And did Alex get the point in the other one? Did Alex score that point for 988? I believe Alex. I did. Alex did. I definitely so. did. Ryan with two, Alex with one, Andy sitting on a goose egg. Alex, coming to you for the first question of round number two. Mikhail Gorbachev, the final leader of the Soviet Union, died last week at the age of 91. Gorbachev was synonymous with the term glasnost, Russian for openness, and perestroika, which is Russian for what? What does perestroika mean? I, I need the clues. I don't speak Russian. <laughs> okay, so you have <laughs> options of restructuring, electoral reform, or capitalism. Um, I'm going to say restructuring, eh? 
That's right. Gorbachev began his restructuring movement as leader of the Communist Party in 1985 and led to the eventual breakup of the USSR. Let's head over to Andy. Andy, former NHL coach Mike Babcock announced in a radio interview that he was retiring from coaching. What hockey team did Mike Babcock last coach? Well, he vol- I, I don't know if this is the answer, but he volunteered for a team in Saskatoon. So I'm going to go with that because that was the team that he last coached. I, I, I'm going to need a little bit more of a specified guess here. The Saskatoon Blades. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. I, sorry, I should have offered you the options if you'd wanted them, but, I, but, I, but I'm, I'm still new at this. I'm still new at hosting, so I apologize. Uh, Ryan. Coming over to you, do you want the options or do you want to take a stab at it? I will take the options, yes. So I'm looking at my options here. We have A, the University of Saskatoon, the University of Regina, or the University of Saskatchewan. I'm going to stick with Andy's uh, line here and go with the University of Saskatoon. You should know better. You should know better, Ryan. (laughs) Alex, coming back to you. Your options remaining are the University of Regina or the University of Saskatchewan. It's University of Saskatchewan. That is correct. Babcock resigned from his volunteer head coaching position, so Andy got that right. We should give Andy at least a half point Hmm. for the fact that it was volunteering with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies men's hockey team on Thursday after only one year. Something he said was always the plan. He last coached in the NHL for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's head over to Ryan Come into the music world with this question. Canadian recording star Avril Lavigne received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame last week. Ryan, from what Ontario town does Lavigne hail? I will need the options here. So your options are Kingston, Navin, or Napanee. Ooh, I think Napanee has the most skater boys. I have no idea. <laughs> that is a point for Ryan. The honor comes as the 37-year-old toasts the 20th anniversary of her debut album, Let Go, which launched her career with the single Complicated. Why you gotta make things so complicated? Or Skater Boy, or I'm With You. What an album. What an album. We talked about that a little bit last week in the entertainment reports. I don't have a pen or pencil or pen on me. I think Alex is in the lead, but I'm not sure what the exact scoring is. We've got it up there on screen. Am I seeing three, three, zero? Is that, are we seeing three for Ryan, three for Alex, zero for Andy? Is that, is that correct? Or does anybody object to that scoring that we have on the board? I lost track. No disputes here. No, that seems right. I can confirm the zero. Okay. (laughs) 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 Working on the honor system over here. Okay. So we are tied going into the last round, but we're not so far out, Andy, that this is not an insurmountable lead because you get the first question of round number Three, also coming from the music world, some Canadian radio stations pulled music from what band amid allegations of sexual misconduct against its lead singer? Arcade Fire. That is correct. Arcade Fire is being yanked from the airwaves at some Canadian radio stations after misconduct allegations against their singer. Wynn Butler, a representative for CBC, says the broadcaster will, quote, pause playing the Montreal Act on its CBC Music FM radio station and the Sirius XM channel for CBC Radio 3 until we learn more about the situation. Let's head back to Ryan. Ryan, what Canadian territory ended a state of emergency over a shortage of water in its capital? Let's take the options. Is it Nunavut, Northwest Territory, or Yukon? Let's go Nunavut. 
That is correct. The territory declared the emergency earlier this month to ensure its capital could get necessary regulatory approvals to begin replacing, replenishing its reservoir. The city declared its own state of emergency a week earlier due to a lack of precipitation and flows into the Apex River, Kalowitz's secondary water resupply source being at a 40-year low. So, Alex, here's the deal as we come to you with the last question. You are one point behind Ryan. So if you go for two here, you win the whole thing. If you go for one and you get it right, you tie him. And if you go for two and you miss, Andy's got a shot for the tie. If you go for one and you miss, Andy's just playing for pride. So here we go. The U.S. Open tennis, tennis's last major of the season is underway in New York City. Which woman has won the most singles titles in the Open era? Uh, sorry, you broke up there a bit, Dave. Uh, could you just repeat the question? No problemo. The U.S. Open tennis's last major of the season is underway in New York. Which woman has won the most singles titles in the tennis Open era? I'm going to say Serena Williams. That is incorrect. Andy Frank, a chance to uh, play for a tie here with Ryan Delahanty. I'm going to go with Martina Navratilova. That is also incorrect. Ryan, you can basically do whatever you want here. Do you want options? Do you want to try to swing for a guess? What's your plan here? Andre Agassi. Okay, that's gender swapping on us, but that's fine. Because uh. <laughs> the correct answer, and I get the point for the first time as quiz master, is Chris Everett. Mm. Everett won six titles, including four straight from 1975 to 78, and then again from 80 to 82. Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, and Jimmy Connors are tied for the most on the men's side with five each. So our winner is... <laughs> Ryan Delahanty swinging in from Halifax on a vine, dominating the dominating the competition and picking up a win. Ryan, you did such a nice job that we're going to have you back on the show tomorrow. That's your prize. Amazing. That's yeah. the best prize I could hope yeah. for. Your prize is more airtime and more work. Alex, a really solid effort this week. Ryan came from behind on you, but a nice effort. So well done on you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, one day I'll, I'll get my first win. I, I, I swung bid. Missed this time. There's always next week. It takes it takes time to get into the flow of the weekly news quiz. And Andy Frank, we appreciate you pinch hitting down the hall for us today. A good effort by you, sir. My pleasure, Dave, as always. That is Andy Frank. He's the manager of AMI-audio. Alex Smythe is our contributor here on Now with Dave Brown. Ryan Dillahanty is a content development specialist. He'll be back again tomorrow at about 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. The, excuse me, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Until we meet again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. been listening to now with dave brown hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review this was an ami podcast for more accessible media visit ami.ca i'm margaret shepherd of the ami podcast tripping on air Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.